the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on 860 AM, The Answer. The show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money. Nam Phan is off today. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. You're going to use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given away during this show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme, again, is miscellaneous trivia. Now, today we actually have a special guest, real estate attorney Dan Dersham. Uh, a quick little bio and then we'll get right right into it. Uh, So Dan is an attorney with Lerman Law Partners in Marin County. His practice focuses on commercial real estate transactions and Dan regularly represents commercial landlords and tenants, investors, developers, corporate clients, and individuals in the purchasing, selling, financing, leasing, and development of industrial, commercial, multifamily, and residential. I mean, that just kind of covers the whole gambit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Dan, uh, welcome to the Best of Investing. Thanks. Happy to be here. Dan, how busy have you been uh, uh, with uh, commercial leasing and and tenant issues uh, in the last 18 months with with COVID? uh, Has it been a a turn of events for your practice? Definitely. Uh, There was was an explosion, I'd say, in the first, uh, second and third quarters of last year. Um, It started to level off, but it's still a pretty significant portion of work that comes in. Yeah. How have you found um, the recovery uh, for tenants and landlords? Uh, more specifically, have, have many of them uh, uh, caught up with rents as far as you know? And, I may, and maybe that's more of an industry question for like in the Bay Area, since we're a Bay Area show and a lot of our Bay Area listeners are real estate investors. Um, you know, how, how, how is it looking? Is there still a, a, a considerable amount of, of deferred and accrued rent out there or uh, uh, leases in default? How is it looking uh, in, in August of 2021? There's definitely a mix out there still. And like you said, it is very industry specific. Um, I'd say the most common uh, status, uh, you know, that we come across is, you know, leases that have been renegotiated. So lease terms have been extended, rent has been deferred to repay later on. So not a, sometimes forgiveness mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, another common uh, result has been a negotiated uh, termination exit from the lease altogether and now we're signing up new tenants to these same properties but you know then there's some that just i've kind of sit sitting unresolved and um you know that's the minority but it's for those for those who have uh negotiated a termination how easy has it been for the landlords to release the property 
Depends on if they're going to stick with the same, uh, the same industry, the same use for the property. Um, but you know, brokers are still busy and people there's for every tenant that has sought to exit, there is someone else seen as an opportunity to get in. And, you know, so we, you know, talking to brokers in our network, that's, that's been the case. There's not been a whole lot. There's some where if there's like a unique use and it's built out to be a personal care service, for example, uh, they might have trouble finding a turnkey tenant to come right in to replace that right away. But, uh, and what about the prices, uh, have they dropped because of that? Or if you, if you've got, let's say a like type tenant, uh, what's happened to the rent um, price wise really depends on the location. Um, okay. Really, really, you know, even within the Bay area, but there are plenty of, of spaces that the value has even increased. Yeah. You know, and it's okay. um, you know, real estate will continue to appreciate over time and rents are going to continue to, to go up. So um, I haven't seen a whole lot of new tenants coming in as substantially lesser rent unless it's a less valuable or less productive use to be that would you'd expect to get a lower rent for you said something earlier that caught my ear you know the the bane of any landlord is the idea of rent forgiveness and have you seen much of that and if so is it just are we just talking you know one month maybe two or three months Uh, is it how is that uh how has that turned out in your in your experience Definitely seen a lot of it, and uh, especially when we represent the tenant, and it's it's really dependent on the industry, industry specific, and it also depends on the timing of um, the location and the county, and how long that location has been had its shutdown orders in place, and what variety uh, uh, of orders have been in place, and how that's affected this tenant uniquely, depending on their. Um, circumstances because it's a much easier argument to make that rent should be forgiven if you represent the tenant if um, if if it's a complete shutdown like a nail salon or something for a period of time versus like you know some other kind of business that was able to partially stay open and and keep paying the bills so it really depends yeah so I guess it's a little bit of shared pain is the argument although you know again if you're a landlord and you've got debt and you've got property taxes uh, and you've got expenses for keeping it up. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the buck stops with somebody. And uh, unfortunately, property owners and landlords have had uh, a, a very little, you know, very little help in that in that arena. So right. interesting to see. Let's continue right. after the uh, after the break. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, guys. Here, uh, here's our first trivia question, and it is: Which scientist <clears throat> formulated the law of universal gravitation? He didn't invent it. He just discovered it. All right. Call 888-912-11. God invented it. Um, call 888-912-1190. The first caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. Again, which scientist formulated the law of universal gravitation? And uh, I want to make a quick mention here for Polio San Francisco restaurant voted uh, best San Francisco restaurant among the locals. Check them out at poliosf.com. Stay with us. The best of investing. We'll be right back. Now back to the best of investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM. The answer. Welcome back to the best of investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff of Pacific Private Money and our special guest, Dan Dersham, attorney at law. Uh, First trivia question, which scientist formulated the law of universal gravitation? Dan, do you know the answer to that? 
or Mark? I would I would guess Newton, but Newton, that is correct. Sir Isaac Newton, Newton. and also not Newman, no, not Newman. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, apparently, you know what? It's so funny because he he invented a form of calculus, and the reason he invented it was he was getting frustrated trying to explain planetary rotation to his friends so he invented calculus i like that smart guy all right um we are in uh, with the studio here uh via zoom with dan dersham who is a real estate attorney uh dan a couple of questions we have for you here um so what client what kinds of clients have you typically worked for during this uh time of covid yeah, it's been a mix of, you know, commercial landlords with varying types of projects um, that they're looking for help with, with one or numerous tenants. Uh, but equally as common has been has been just a huge variety of different types of uh, commercial tenants. And I I don't know how, you know, why I've ended up uh, representing as many as I as I have, but it's I've ended up uh, representing a lot of personal care service uh, type tenants. Um, hair salons and spas, um, yoga studios, massage parlors, that kind of thing. And that I think is because they have been so uniquely affected by this that they've been the most unable to pay, you know, so little revenue compared to other uses. And that tends to not sit well with uh, the landlord. So we've been doing a lot of renegotiations and termination agreements um, for those type of clients. But my colleagues at the firm have also been representing a lot of restaurants, movie theaters, gyms, that kind of thing too. Do you find yourself with a mix of uh, clients? Are you representing both sides of the table? Um, You know, uh, property owners and, and tenants? Definitely. Yep. Doing both. Yes. So, so, Dan, let me get your take on this because uh, I, I looked at an article recently that said uh, this. So, the single mother. Now, this is more in the residential standpoint, and she owns three like little cottage units, so to speak. She has a single mother and an Air Force veteran, and she's the landlord in upstate New York. She's now homeless and living in her car with her daughter after being unable to collect rent from tenants in three of her properties, and she says here, quote, I don't understand how they can give my private property to somebody to live for free. Um, And uh, it says, you know, basically that violates, uh, according to some people, the uh, Fifth Amendment, which is, uh, quote, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Now, usually that's like for eminent domain, but it's kind of can be, you know, looked at for here. And I guess the thing is, that's kind of frustrating that for me, when I look at this is, why wouldn't the, I mean, supposedly the government is holding a lot of money that's supposed to go to landlords for this purpose, you know, rather than just, you know, give it to the tenants and then do anything they want with it, which they don't pay rent. And only apparently 8% of the federal subsidy has been paid out. It, it just seems kind of crazy that you got to punish one group for another. I mean, and uh, now that's really just in the residential standpoint, right? I mean, in commercial, you can go through a normal eviction, right? Yeah, this the the past year and a half has been it sort of evolved into two different universes: the residential restrictions and those moratoriums, and all that has continued even to today. Whereas commercial moratoriums on eviction kind of phased out, some much earlier than others. So. You know, needless to say, you know, kind of along what you're saying, uh, landlords with um, with residential tenancies are facing still a lot, lot more challenge than 
than our uh, commercial clients. So yeah, because they, they they still have to pay their their mortgage, right? The banks, right? You know, can can foreclose on those kinds of landlords, um, right? This kind of seems like it's sort of a wealth distribution. Yeah, there have been some programs for uh, refinancing and a deferment for on the landlord's finance side um, that that some of our clients have taken advantage of. But that's a whole process in itself. And you need to have someone advising you through that as well and understanding the consequences of it, because those can be some some important pitfalls uh, in those in those agreements. Well, and we've talked about this before on the residential standpoint, because, you know, Pacific Private Money makes loans to borrowers. And uh, Mark, I'll let you explain what happens with these deferments. Well, um, several things happen with the deferments, but uh, generally, you know, we're, we're precluded from filing foreclosure right now because they keep uh, extending the amount of time, unless it's an investment property, then it's actually, it's, it's, it's a, depends on whether it's a consumer uh, loan or, or an investor purpose loan, but uh, it's, uh, and, and by the way, we haven't been that badly hurt. Most of our clients, most of our borrower clients have been able to restart, uh, not all, uh, but most have been able to restart their, uh, their interest payments, but it's, uh, it's, it's rather interesting. We did, we did grant quite a few deferments uh, last year. But the thing I was going to get to is how the deferments kind of sort of hit the credit reports. You know, they're not supposed to show up. It's just strictly a, Oh, uh, right. Oh, okay. Okay. I I see. Right. You, uh, um, with us, we don't report to credit. So if we do an agreement or an extension or a deferment, or, or even if they have a whole bunch of lates, um, generally the private money industry is not reporting to credit bureaus, which is one of the, you know, one of the benefits, one of the many benefits of, of going with uh, alternative to bank financing. But for all of the folks out there that have mortgages, bank financing, uh, they have found out the hard way that uh, accepting a deferment often uh, results in a memo in their credit that allows uh, a another lender to see that oh well they've got a deferment and so that automatically precludes them uh, oftentimes from getting a refinance. Yeah, so even if their credit score doesn't go down per se, yeah. there's there's sort of that memo because the bank's looking at it and going well how do we know you're not going to ask us for a deferment too, right? Right. Uh, um, let's see here before we uh, cut to one more break. Um, so you already said that the most common resolutions to the commercial leasing disputes have been uh, deferring rent. Um, I, I guess they, they don't really For, deferring, forgiving, or doing yeah. some kind of uh, modification. I guess. Yeah, I guess in, in theory you might want to extend the lease. Um, you know, if you're concerned that you're going to have vacancies, because you know, as as a landlord, a commercial landlord, I don't want tenants to move out. I don't want to have to put tenant improvements in and I don't have to want to have to pay new commissions and the commissions. If you, you're ready for this, the commissions in prior to 2002, the commissions were typically like six, six, five, five, four, you know, that sort of thing with uh, when you had the craziness going on in the uh, late two thirds, I mean like 2004 with the dot bomb and everything being empty. Uh, you, the commissions actually went one and a half times because the procuring broker said, I want all the commission. 
and then your broker would would also want his part. So six 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 became nine nine nine. It got very very expensive. Tell you what, hey guys, uh, quick uh, commercial break here. Uh, Julius Caesar was assassinated on March fifteenth, forty four BC. A date now known, often known by what term? All right, eight 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 nine one two eleven ninety. First caller with the correct answer wins that tanning certificate. Stay with us. Best of investing. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hunt of Pacific Private Money, our special guest, Dan Dersham. A second trivia question. Julius Caesar was assassinated on March 15th, 44 BC, a date now often known by what term? Uh, Caesar salad? No. (laughs) (laughs) The Ides of March. Remember, beware the Ides of March. Remember when he says, et tu, Brute? And if it was Popeye, he would say, et tu, Bluto? Um, (laughs) Even you, Brutus? Okay. Our special guest, Dan Dersham, who's a real estate attorney. Um, So, Dan, uh, one of the questions uh, we have for you is, you know, how have the courts been handling disputes between landlords and tenants? Right. So there's not a whole lot uh, published yet. No, no big opinions, no game changers in California. So we've been kind of keeping an eye around the country just to observe trends. Um, the one of the big arguments that that tenants were making specifically is frustration of purpose. Um, I mean, best case scenario, you have some kind of moratorium in place in your county or your city, rely on that, or a, an eviction moratorium, or uh, some jurisdictions that actually had requirements to defer rent for that period of time during the moratorium. Um, or maybe you have something at least like a really helpful force majeure clause if you're the tenant. Pretty unlikely, though, usually it's going to favor the landlord, if anything. And mm-hmm. so frustration of purpose, which the basic theory is that if the purpose for which you had leased the premises has been frustrated due to causes beyond your control, then uh, the lease is the is, is terminated, deemed terminated by virtue of frustration of purpose, which is an old legal doctrine, equitable doctrine. And for the most part, courts are not really going that route. That's not been, instead, they're looking uh, specifically to, in some cases they have been, and, and the, those are kind of like few and far between, but mostly they're looking to the terms of the lease specifically, relying on that. And there's a huge variety, as you can imagine, force majeure clauses. Um, and so it really looks to what is the tenant's obligation to pay when other uh, intervening events happen. So that's been interesting because I, I really like that, uh, you know, frustration of purpose, you know, the, the, you know, the socially active part of me says, yeah, that, that, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but then, as you said, it's, it's kind of interesting. Then there's the real estate investor part of me that says, I don't, I don't want, um, you know, to use emotions to, uh, to dictate uh, how contracts should be adhered to. So I, uh, it's interesting that, uh, while that makes a lot of sense to have that frustration of purpose um, argument uh, against um, having to be stuck paying endless amounts of rent when your business is closed, uh, it's interesting that the courts are, you know, not trying to make new law. And yeah, but you know, so- they, it's it's a situation where if the government is going to force the shutdowns or the moratoriums or whatever, then the government, <clears throat> in a timely manner, 
should make those payments. They're the ones who caused it, not, you know, an act of God or, you know, weather or that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of the, you know, the eminent domain type of thing. If we're going to steal your property, we have to at least pay you a fair value for it. Well, you know, we're, we're right now, uh, the government is, uh, is spending money, i.e. issuing debt at, at historic, uh, to our country levels. And, uh, the trillions of dollars of, of aid they keep passing and, and programs. And yet you don't hear a whole lot about uh, it's going. If, if the landlord is going to forgive rent, whether it's commercial or residential, there, there, there ought to be a government program that isn't sending trillions of dollars overseas, but maybe is, is making yeah. that, some of that money available for landlords to apply for relief. Um, and, uh, you know, they can make that, uh, and, and it should be obviously organized and managed in a way to uh, eliminate as much fraud as possible. But that, it seems to me that that would make sense. Yeah, let me ask you something. Um, have the counties uh, been so generous as to say, oh, we're also going to forgive the real estate taxes? <laughs> I don't think what? so. How about PG&E? How about insurance companies? You know, how about the plumber who has to fix the uh, leaky, you know, or the roofer? I'm yeah. sorry, Mr. Roofer, you have to fix my roof for free because uh, moratorium, you know, I mean, you know, where does it, where does it end, right? And the thing is, most landlords are the kind of the mom and pop when they, when they, and they're the ones who are getting hurt the most. Well, residential landlords, for sure. Residential landlords. They're yeah. the ones that are hurt, for sure. The, 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 the larger commercial REITs and stuff, uh, the, uh, the, the pain isn't quite as acutely felt at the personal sure. level. Very good. Yeah. Any last uh, go takeaways here for us, Dan? Well, the biggest thing is, is if you have an opportunity to revisit the leases, if you're the landlord especially, it's now is the time to, to, to figure out a good force majeure clause to put in there because that that's, is the quickest um, answer to any of these disputes had it been in there. And so carefully drafted force majeure clause um, – yeah. You want to give that definition for the audience because they, they may not. Right. Be- so a force majeure is a clause that that says in the lease, okay, um, if anything happens that uh, like uh, war or a nationwide strike or natural disaster, then the parties are excused from their performance under the contract for usually for such period of time that that. Um, circumstance continues, but the important aspect of those clauses is that is the carve outs, right? So it's the same, but except for these things, or, or it might say only these things and yeah. nothing else uh, are, is going to constitute a force majeure, meaning that you're forgiven. But usually in leases, good leases, it'll say something to the effect of notwithstanding any of this tenant, nothing is going to affect tenants ability to continue paying its rent. And so the, the, the leases that have had that in there, we're able to rely on that. That's just the easiest, quickest um, answer to those disputes and really reduces the tenant's leverage, except in the cases of, like I said, those moratoriums. If you happen to be in a place like San Francisco, that's a different story. Gotcha. Uh, Dan, how do uh, people get a hold of you if they have questions on uh, commercial real estate? Uh, shoot me an email at dan at lermanlaw.com or my number is 415-991-2949. Very good. Okay. Um, quick mention here for uh, Napa River History Tour, kayaking place. Uh, beautiful two-hour kayak tour 
um, exploring Napa's most revealing and provocative secrets. Perfect for all fitness levels and experience. They include the kayaks, life jackets, and paddles. Check them out at NapaRiverTour.com. All right, we're going to cut to our uh, third trivia question here. Uh, what is the crucial card in the game of hearts? Call 888-912-1190. You have to know how to play hearts in order to understand this question. What is the crucial card in the game of hearts? All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to have Mark Hoff tell us how his uh, funds are doing. Uh, hopefully he'll have a deal. Do you, will you have a deal of the week for us? I Mr. may. Hump? You might. Okay. All right. And uh, Dan, uh, one more time, give out your information um, and spell out Lerman for those people who might not know how to spell it. <laughs> yeah, Dan at LermanLaw.com, L-E-R-M-A-N-Law.com. And phone number is 415-991-2949. All right. And again, our trivia question to win the tanning certificate is, what is a crucial card in the game of hearts? Call 888-912-1190. First caller with crack cancer is going to win the tanning certificate. Stay with us. The best of investing will be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing, Edward Brown and Mark Honf and our special guest, Dan Dersham. Third trivia question, what is the crucial card in the game of hearts? Who knows the answer to that? I don't play hearts, but I know you do, Edward, so you must know the answer to this one. I do know the answer. It's the Queen of Spades. Queen of Spades. Okay. I would never um, have guessed that. <laughs> you never guessed it. Now you have, to, you have to be a hearts player in order to know that. Yeah. Um, Mr. Honf, uh, can you give us yes, a sir. deal of the week and then back it up with uh, why it's a deal of the week? Okay, well, we've talked for the last couple of years about uh, many, many, many deals involving uh, allowing consumers to be able to buy their next home before they sell their current home. Um, That's actually about half of our business right now at Pacific Private Money is doing these consumer bridge loans for people who are in their home. Uh, They have a lot of equity and they want to move. Uh, they go to their bank and they've got great credit. Maybe they even have cash in the bank for the down payment on the next house. And the bank says, uh, sure, we'll make you that uh, loan to buy your next home. But you, you got to sell your current home first. You know, Because of Dodd-Frank and DTI ratios, et cetera, yes, you make good money, but you don't make quite enough money to, uh, for us to be able to allow you to have two mortgages at the same time. And uh, that's a very common situation for people. And it, and it forces or, or the result of which uh, a lot of people feel trapped in their homes. And I know we've talked a lot about that on the Best of Investing over time. And, and it is um, a tool that homeowners can use and real estate agents and mortgage brokers can help their clients, you know, buy, you know, buy their next home before they sell their first home. And it's getting even more and more uh, popular these days. A lot of companies are out there offering 
uh, solutions to this dilemma. But at Pacific Private Money, we are one of the few alternative finance providers that actually provide a, a bridge loan solution to consumers. But that's not my deal of the week. I, I thought I'd just share with you uh, something that's a little more uh, in the traditional hard money. Uh, we have a client that uh, owns a home uh, in Marin County in a very, very nice area. Uh, it's uh, the, the value of the home is in the seven digits. Uh, very, very nice home. He's got a first and he has a second and he has a business opportunity. Uh, he tied up uh, a, a, a condo in Mexico uh, six months ago. And in the past six months, I guess, because of popularity of people wanting to buy real estate in destination uh, um, uh, resorts, uh, the value of, of that condo he has in contract has gone up. And so he's very, very anxious to close that condo, but he doesn't quite have enough for uh, uh, to close. And so he came to us and he was looking for a million dollar third position wow. business purpose loan secured by his primary residence in Marin County. Now I'll tell you from experience doing private lending for the last almost 14 years now, that you are most likely to hear a resounding no. Uh, <laughs> if you called 20 hard money lenders, you might not, you might get 20 no's. Yeah. Um, this happens to be uh, a, a friend of a friend who referred me to this gentleman. And I happen to know him just because he's also interestingly enough, he's a commercial real estate investor and owns a lot of commercial real estate. Anyway, um, we haven't closed that loan yet, but we're, we, we just talked about it today, in fact, and, and uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm leaning towards green lighting it because, again, there's still a, a, a part of this business that is um, relationship. And so if you, you know, based on relationships, based on acute knowledge of the asset, the home, I visited the home personally, I believe it's worth the valuation uh, that we chose, you know, north of uh, that he believes it is north of 10 million. Uh, and the amount of debt that's on there would still be less than 50% combined loan to value. So I think he's got something around a three ish million dollar first, a million dollar second. So our million would still be right around five, five million dollars. So um, it's uh, and so this is the kind of opportunity that, um, uh, that comes along with a lot of people who are, are have a lot of real estate wealth and uh, have their assets tied up and, you know, and selling stock involves a, a taxable transaction. There's just a lot of reasons why someone would go to a quote, hard money lender. Uh, we prefer private money lender uh, uh, in that regard, but uh, those are still um, loans that uh, we don't do a lot of loans like that, but again, every now and again, it makes sense. And again, since we are and we are lending other people's money and, and, uh, you know, there might be someone out there listening going, I would never do a third or thinking to themselves, I would never do a third. Well, we've done lots of thirds. Uh, and it's just, it's about the facts and the stories and the situation. Um, the bet, my favorite thirds are the ones where the CLTV is, is, clearly and demonstrably below 50% loan to value, meaning you've got protective equity where the lender or the borrower is, is not going to walk away from that. Property. Well, let me ask you, uh, uh, what's his exit strategy? 
Like how you uh, get your- he actually has an IPO that we're able to verify uh, is about 45 to 60 days away from happening um, on a company that he's invested in. And so that's his exit strategy. It's a six month note with, uh, uh, with options to extend. So it's supposed to be, it's, it's designed to be short term bridge financing. Okay. I would not be interested in a long-term situation. I wouldn't want to be stuck on a million dollar loan in third position um, yeah. uh, needlessly, but it, it, it is a bridge, a bridge loan situation. Yeah. And as long as you got the wherewithal to cure the first and second, should anything go wrong? Uh, yeah. That I would, be, I would love that house in yeah. a heartbeat for $5 million, five or $6 million. <laughs> oh, you betcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, many square, how many square feet is it? Uh, it's rather large, about 7,500. Okay. So yeah, yeah it's so, probably so, if it's in a good area and stuff, it's uh, about 13. It is. Yeah. I don't want to give too much information. No, of course not. Of course not. But about $1,400 a foot for a really nice house in a really nice area is not unreasonable. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the more exclusive areas in Marin County. It's where the movie stars live. So anyway, that's, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So that, uh, wow. you know, we'll, we'll We'll use one of our funds. Uh, it's probably not a loan we'll sell. It's relatively short term, so we'll portfolio that loan. Um, what are you charging the borrower? Uh, you know, this is this is a 10%. And again, because I, I have uh, deal for the borrower. Uh, I have a, I have, a, I have knowledge. Uh, he's an acquaintance. Okay. Uh, I could charge 11. I could charge 12. Yeah. But again, I'm, I'm trying to uh, be reasonable. So 10% is, uh, uh, again, it's a fair rate, I think. And, and eight points. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for a six-month loan. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But we don't do, but we don't. But, but I, I will go back. You know, coming full circle, we don't do a tremendous amount of uh, the those traditional, you know, hard money bridge loans uh, in junior position. Uh, in fact, a lot of companies like like ours. Um, you know, they're very focused, you know, some only do first position loans and that's fine. Uh, but there, I, th- I just think there's a market for, um, uh, for loans where the borrower uh, needs it, wants it and benefits from it. Uh, and if we can get a higher rate of return, you know, in first position, that loan would be 7%, seven and a half, maybe 8%. So 10% is a nice, uh, it's a nice boosted yield uh, that will help um, our fund members uh, maintain the yields that we've been paying them. Uh, rate, uh, rates have been um, going down uh, for the last several years in the private money realm. Uh, many of our seasoned investors who've been doing this for 10 or more years fondly recall the days when they would earn 10% net to them uh, on uh, these types of investments. And you still can, you know, some people, if you hunt around enough, uh, some of the really risky deals will pay net 10 to the uh, investor. But more often than not, our, our investors now are getting six, seven, eight uh, percent um, net to them. Uh, well, especially with no losses. Um, yeah. Tell you yeah. what, we're going to cut to another commercial break. We don't have a trivia question, but when we come back, we're going to have some uh, a little bit, few more minutes and some closing comments. Stay with us. Best of investing. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with uh, Mark Hunt of 
Pacific Private Money. So, Mark, um, you were mentioning before uh, about uh, the fund that you have. You're producing yields for your clients in the six, seven, eight percent. Your main fund's got about sixty-three million, I believe, in it, and you're still able to produce a net return of at least more than the preferred seven percent, right? Yes, we're in the low sevens with that. Um, the last couple of distributions have been right around 7%, uh, but we've got a mix of loans in there. Um, some uh, loans that are uh, 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 we've done a couple of years ago that were at higher rates. Um, it's just got a mixed mixed amount of, of loans. But the, the way we can uh, achieve a, a bigger than or larger than 7% return on that is actually largely not – uh, because of the loan rates we have, if it were just based on the, on the loans in the portfolio, we'd be under seven right now, but be, we're able to turn that money over uh, a portion of it. About 20% of that 60 million gets turned over uh, rather quickly. And so we're generating fee income for the fund. Every time we get paid off on a loan, we might make a short-term bridge loan that gets paid off in 60, 90 days. Now we can turn around and lend that money back out again. And since in that fund, we split 50-50, the origination fees, uh, it, it's a way to kind of juice up the yield. And so um, so our fund, that particular fund is, is different than a lot of California-based mortgage pool funds in that most mortgage pool funds don't see a lot of turnover. Uh, they're longer term, one, two, three year, uh, whereas, uh, you know, 30% of our portfolio is turning over every 60, 90 days. So it's really, it's a way for us to, uh, plus we sell loans out of the fund too. And that allows us to continually uh, earn back the, um, uh, the liquidity to be able to reloan that money out and generate new fees. So it's a, it's a response to what's been happening in the industry. Um, you know, 10 years ago, we could have just been uh, lending money out at, at market rates uh, for the portfolio and, and you know, pay, pay out probably an 8% yield. I think that's where we were when we first started out without too much uh, difficulty. Nowadays, with competition, uh, some of the times we have to, sometimes we have to make a loan at 7%. So if you're making a loan at 7%, it's kind of hard to pay your investor 7%. But if you're turning that money over uh, multiple times and charging origination points, uh, that's the way we're able to continue to keep um, a, a, a very healthy above market yield for our investors in, in that specific fund. And that's one of the um, four funds that we manage at Pacific Private Money. Uh, we've got a kind of a, uh, a uh, little smorgasbord of, of funds. And, and for more information about that, you can go to our website. We do have a, um, a, an investor page that kind of lines out how the four funds differ from each other and the amounts they pay out. We pay from a range of 6% to roughly 10%. We do have a construction lending fund that uh, has been paying out 10% uh, over the last six quarters. So uh, for more information, go to pacificprivatemoney.com. You can also call us at 415-883-2150. That's 415-883-2150. That's our phone number. We're in Marin County. Uh, we're in a real office, and uh, we're recording this from our respective offices today. That's uh, we're open for business, um, wearing masks when appropriate, uh, and uh, meeting with investors and uh, doing Zoom conferences and calls. It's it's a very very active market right now, and and we're we'd love to talk more uh, about it with you. 
And the best part is you have a lot of deal flow. So you uh, are able to fill that pipeline. Uh, We're extremely busy. The the golden goose for any uh, business like ours uh, that lends out capital is you want a lot of deal flow coming in. You want a lot of deal flow because we have to say no a lot. Uh, So we're not, we're not, desperate for the deal when the phone rings. Uh, in fact, the, the exact opposite. Uh, we're, we're probably funding one out of 10 loan requests, so we can be pretty, uh, pretty choosy. Very good. All right. Here's our thoughts for the day. What do you call two birds stuck together? Velcros. <laughs> ah, there you go. And when I was younger and ran a race, they used to uh, time me with a stopwatch. Uh, now I've slowed down a little in my old age. They, they use a calendar now. All right. Tune in next week to The Best of Investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for the best of investing on 860 AM. The answer. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.